Hey guys, it's Dawn and I wanted to let you know about a new space I'm creating called What's the Truth Community. If you experience trauma in childhood, the truth can be really elusive. In toxic families, the truth of what goes on behind closed doors is hidden. And I speak to people every day who are only just now beginning to discover the truth of who they really are years later because we were given so many false beliefs about ourselves. Nobody loves you. You should be ashamed. You'll never amount to anything. All the lies are manipulation within toxic family homes. But each belief that gets filed away in your subconscious mind is so powerful. Each belief changes every choice you make, and that can change the entire direction of your life. If you are ready to create a beautiful life for yourself, come and join me in the What's the Truth community. By sharing truth, we are learning to step out of the fog and see what is the truth of your life so far. Because once you can see it, you can fix it. We are going to be talking about truth so that you can finally live in peace, freedom and authenticity. In the What's the Truth membership, you will have access to subscriber-only episodes, all ad-free and all for the cost of a cup of coffee a month. This is the most important community you will become a part of this year. If you listen via the Apple Podcasts app, you can sign up right there in the app. And if you listen on any other platform, you can sign up via Supercast. It's super easy and the links are in the show notes. This is your safe space. I'm so excited for you to join me. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And it has been the relentless drive by each of these women 
to take control of their own life back that has led to the ability to move on from trauma, to stand up and decide to just take a better life for themselves, to just take it, not wait for permission, take it. Welcome to How My Parents Raised Me. I'm Dawn Chitty. When we are born, we arrive here as pure and perfect souls. And the direction our life takes from that moment is deeply connected to what our parents bring to our lives. And what our parents bring to our lives is deeply connected to what their parents brought to their lives. And that's the cycle of families. I have always craved connection with real and raw stories to understand what makes you, you, what makes you the absolutely unique human that you are. Stories are medicine for the soul. They can connect us and they can change the world. And so in this podcast, I'm listening to beautiful souls sharing their story, what happened to them, how they got through and how they have healed and thrived despite everything to arrive right here in this moment. Content warning, if you are triggered by the themes of this podcast, please seek a helpline in your city. Hello, my beautiful friends, and welcome to one of the last episodes for 2023. As is traditional here on the How My Parents Raised Me podcast, I really love to dive back into many of the episodes from the past year and just draw out a tiny piece of the wisdom that has been shared there. It's not an easy task because there's so much wisdom to choose from, but we're going to hear some beautiful learnings and pieces of advice that come from moments of truth because there can be no healing without the truth. It's just not possible. In every tiny step or huge leap forward, there is always a truth reveal. Sometimes it is subtle and sometimes it literally hits you between the eyes, but truth is always at the center of healing. And every one of my guests this year has been through their own individual experience of trauma hell of abuse, abandonment, judgment, expectation and every one of those experiences has created trauma in their minds and in their bodies and it has been the relentless drive by each of these women to take control of their own life back that has led to the ability to move on from trauma, to stand up and decide to just take a better life for themselves, to just take it, not wait for permission, take it. And each of my guests also has a greater purpose in deciding to share their experiences and their wisdom so that you can have a better experience too, so that you can thrive too. And how magical is that? How blessed are we to have these women step forward and allow you into their hearts and souls, into their truth. I just really want to say that I am so incredibly blessed to have been able to sit down with every single one of these beautiful healers to hear their stories. 
the depths of their despair, how lost they were, how lonely, isolated, broken, and yet how they found true courage to decide to do things differently for their own lives and the lives of everyone around them. Because healing yourself truly does heal the generations that came before and that come after you. And that is the single most important thing you will ever do in this lifetime. This episode has been divided into two parts. Part two will release later this week. And if you'd like to hear the full episode of anything you hear in this podcast, the list of full episode numbers can be found in the show notes. I hope you will celebrate with me the courage in each of these stories. Whilst acknowledging the courage is also there inside of you to do the same. I had to love myself enough to learn to listen to my body, to be patient with it, to make good food choices, to forgive myself, to look at my trauma. Like you have to love yourself to do that. And a lot of us were just inheriting these wounds of self-love from our parents. And that's what it really, I know we're circling back to that from the beginning, but that's really what this is all about. It's like we've been passed down this brokenness from our lineage where we've been taught not to love ourselves by people who don't know how to love or love themselves. And there's a, a whole new way, you know? So, yeah. What, what do you think's like one thing that somebody can do to get on that path of loving themselves? Look at yourself. <laughs> yeah. Look at yourself. Like I, I know when I, when I'm not really feeling in love with myself, I don't look in the mirror. Like I, I have days, you know, I have experiences in my life and I spend less time connecting to my eyes. Like I won't, you know, I, I think that's, that's a first piece of like that. I meant that more darkly, right? Like, so look at yourself, but also physically, I think that's really important is to spend time, you know, in connection to looking at through your eyes, you know, who you are, your vessel, your body, your, your hair, your smile, and practicing love and, and respect. I also think that people who love themselves communicate their needs really effectively, and they're not afraid to do that. And people who don't really know how to love themselves kind of struggle with that. So I think it's really good to, if you want to love yourself, like, let's think about a child. How do you love a child? You're always looking at it. You're like, oh my God, doesn't that baby ever, you know, like you're just obsessed with the baby. And and you also are constantly paying attention to the baby's cries and you're like, okay, what does this baby need? It's communicating, like, let me listen. So you need to do that for yourself. When your body is communicating something, like I had a failure on this a couple of weeks ago. I was facilitating an event and I was getting really tired and I wanted to stop and go meet my needs and rest. And I felt bad because the person talking to me was like so excited to talk to me. And so I forced myself to like be present and I could feel like, wow, I'm forcing my body to stay here. My throat is literally like, say something like you need to go rest, you know, just tell them you're going to go take a nap and you'll be back in an hour. But I was just like, I couldn't be an advocate. And I felt so much guilt for that. And I, it was a really good teaching of like, even I'm still learning how to communicate my needs and to listen to what my my intuition and myself is saying. So 
that's a really good practice. And then the other thing I'll just say is to bring back your inner child. Like my inner child loved to sing and loved to dance and loved to write and be creative and spend time in nature. And that's what I do, you know? So I invite anybody who's really trying to come into wholeness with themselves to do the things that they remember loving as a kid. Yeah, absolutely. And it is about connecting with that child because nobody's born here in hate or in judgment. We're born here as beautiful, pure love energy, and that's who we really are. It's really about finding that, isn't it? In peeling back all the layers of stuff that people have drowned us with over the years and just coming back to seeing. And when you said about looking, it is about seeing who we really are who we really are inside and and that is that pure love I think I think it was like three years ago I realized that if I was going to actually love myself and not just want to be someone else not just want to like become my quote-unquote highest self as a way like of escaping who I am then I needed to reconcile with the parts of myself that I didn't like And that came from my trauma inheritance, the things that are like my mother and the things that are like my father and my grandparents, those things that had caused the harm that I walk with and looking at those and moving into acceptance of those things has been one of the hardest journeys I've taken, but it's also allowed me love for myself in a way that I could not have accessed otherwise. It's it's like for so long, I was like, I love myself. Like, I want to love myself. But I was loving who I thought people saw and who I wanted to be. I wasn't actually loving the full messy me until I took the time to look at the parts of myself where I was like, that's messed up. I don't like that I did that or I don't like that I have this tendency or get angry in this way. And I'm accepting it and seeing it and loving myself in it. It's really vulnerable and it's life-changing. I love that, loving ourselves for all the messy parts. It is so much a world where we're trying to be what people want us to be, right? I mean, that's what we do from as early as, as we're trying to please our parents and then we're trying to please our friends. And, I mean, it's... the entire of society is set up for us to like you said your sister getting married having 2.5 children doing all the things you know it's really sort of figuring out how to break free of that isn't it Mm. and just living as our true self I mean that's that's what it comes down to yeah I don't know if you're familiar with Glennon Doyle Melton one of the books that she wrote I think it's untamed She talks about how there was a group of girls at a slumber party and a group of boys and the parent comes down and asks like, who's hungry? The boys say yes or no and keep watching the TV and the girls all look at each other Mm. and then respond. And I was like, that is how we're socialized. That's not how we are innately, but that's how we're socialized. Like what's safe for us to do? We're looking around. What are other, what are they doing? And evaluating what's good for us to do as a way of maintaining like a herd immunity, you know, a herd safety effect. And it, I think it does take a lot of unlearning to get to that space of, but like, what do I actually want or need here? 
So everything that happened, I would ask, what's the lesson? And as soon as I began to ask the question, of course, the universe supported me and everything started to orchestrate to show me, oh, here's the lesson. You're being a caretaker. You're putting other people's feelings above your own. That's why this happened. Or, you know, that kind of seems to be a reoccurring theme for me anyway. And most people I talk to, you know, they, they're in codependent relationships. Mm, that's really simple, isn't it? Just to ask constantly, what, what is the lesson? What is the lesson? Yeah. And I, I do do that myself but yeah I think a lot of people get a lot out of just asking that one question when you know throughout throughout the week whenever anything is changing when it where there is kind of trauma or chaos or it's about the finding the lesson and and learning the lesson really right yeah yeah and then bless the test because soon as you are aware of the lesson, of course, you're going to get tested because that's what happens in school. Did you really get the lesson? Let's see. Let's test her. So it's kind of like, you know, this imagery of like you're walking down a path, a road, and you fall into a hole and it takes you a while to dig yourself out. And finally, when you dig yourself out, you're like, okay, I'm never going down that road again. Very next day, you go down it again, you fall in the hole, right? It's just like this repetitive. And then finally, you transcend the to the point where you're like you see it you know a mile away there's that road with that hole I'm not going over there I left a job because they're like you're not really like sweet and nice and demure and I was like oh you picked the wrong person because then that wouldn't be me Mm. you know because I'm like no I have to be you know and and I was like the, the guy literally said to me he was like he was like well I want you to be more like my mom I was like wow that's a that's a no like he didn't get, he didn't get that that was, you know, inappropriate. Right. But, and his mom is lovely. I, I really, his mom is genuinely like a lovely person, you know? And I was like, yeah, that's, you know, we have to be assertive. And, and if you, and if you, whoever you is, are, who's judging me want to label that as aggressive. Okay. Right. You wouldn't, if I was a man, I, in fact, this, this, this employer, he, he had said to me, he was like, well, I, I said, this behavior, you would not you would not denigrate in a man. You would not reprimand in a man. He was like, yeah, but you're, you're a woman. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. Right. So, so it's not, I share that because it's just not something that is, you know, taught to us. We have mm. to learn this. And it's like, no, like I'm actually really a badass. Yeah. You know, I really am. People like me, you, when we started with my childhood, people like me die. Mm. We are overdoses. We are suicides. You know, we end up being a large number of women with, you know, be, end up being sex trafficked, you know, abused. Like for I really understand that for me to be sober 25 years, to be 50 years old, this is gravy. And so that's what I just want to give back. Right. Mm-hmm. What can I do? Like I learn these things to make my life better. Right. But I can share them because there's a ton of people who suffer from the same things that I do. And I want you to know whoever you are, I want you to know that there's hope. And if someone who comes from what I come from can recover from addiction, recover from trauma, have a very vibrant research agenda, travel the world teaching, working with amazing people learning from all sorts of different people and trying to 
help ease suffering in whatever way that I can. Coming from where I started, you can too. There is hope. It doesn't have to look the same. Like we're not all going to the same destination, but you know, and, and maybe it's just that you aren't, you know, abusive to your kids. That might be the thing. Mm-hmm. I saw a woman, I saw a woman who was, you know, sober, but struggling and she had just had her children return to her from, you know, department of children and family services. And she was at this, at the, county fair screaming at them like in the middle of the thing like she had lost her mind and I was like boop, boop, boop. and I called up her mentor and I was like we have a situation here at the county fair and she was like is that her in the background I mean she could hear her screaming on the phone and I was like she I was like yep right we help each other mm. right that woman actually is doing a lot a lot better mm. with her kids right that was many that's t- eight years ago right She's doing a lot better with her kids and she's sober, right? Yeah. Over time, we can improve. So you don't have to follow my path, right, to be a success, but everything that we can do to not break other people down, to be a resource and a connection, that is really, you know, what I'm trying to do. I remember sitting through my first panic attack and I, I don't know if I have the vocab to describe how hard that was I mean it's like a tsunami and you know the impending tsunami and you're not going to move you're just going to sit there and let it wash right through I, I remember sitting there and I gripped my my knees and it's like holding on for a ride like okay I'm not going because I knew every time I reacted to the panic and and succumbed to it that was it that was it you're in full-blown panic when you succumb to the avalanche of emotions and the shaking and trembling and the the bubbling and it was just I still remember it and I just went no I'm going to I am not going to allow this to control me anymore I'm going to allow it to come in and do its work and move on now I don't know how long that took I remembered I I needed a nap after it because it was exhausting to just allow it to go through and just say, you know, Beck, you can do this. It's okay. You're actually, you are safe. There is no danger. This is just your body reacting to whatever fear it feels it's in. And it was just about training my body to learn it was okay. I had a false alarm system that went off at, at the slightest moment. Nothing had to trigger it much. And this avalanche of you know, symptoms would just take over. And I had to learn to get to know it. What What's going on there? Why do you feel that way? What's going, yeah, I can feel that today. Okay. So, and sometimes I wouldn't even know. It was just automatic. And and that's the thing. When, when, we, when it gets on top of you, it's running you. You're, you know, you no longer have that control. And so I had to learn to take it back and go, actually, we're okay, Beth. We're okay. And so once I had my body symptoms under control and less frequent, and it and it did because I was training my body, yep, it's okay, yep, you can do that, you can bubble up, but we're okay. I then tackled the beast in my head and, you know, I had to just tell it to fuck off. You're telling me that I can't do this, but actually I can. You know, and I was, it was a, like a game of tennis. 
okay, you telling me that I'm useless and I'm worthless, but actually I'm okay. Look at what I'm doing. My kids are healthy and clothed and fed and loved. And, you know, so I just kind of had to, you know, you can, and, and I used to talk to it. Yeah, you can sit there and say shit all day, but I'm not listening. I'm just going to keep going. And yeah, it was just this back and forth, back and forth until, I don't know, he just didn't have any more to say. <laughs> or wow. He did, but it didn't carry the weight anymore. It was, mm. no, actually, that's bullshit. You're, you're actually talking shit. I've done a lot. I've survived a lot. And I am okay. I am doing okay. And I'm not, I'm not meant to be perfect. I, I actually don't need to predict every step of my life. Yeah. So yeah, it was a lot of work. It was. Where did you get the strength for that? Because that that is massive. And and the amount of trauma that you went through, you can see the effect of that in these sort of tsunami panic attacks. It's 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 there's incredible strength in pushing through and healing from that. I don't I don't know. I just, you know, I, I, I remember when I was 18 and I was kind of at that moment. I remember sitting in my room at some point going, I don't want my life to be a result of my trauma. I don't want trauma to be the goddamn hero, you know, and I and that sort of comes back to that bit of that defiance where it wasn't my fault and I didn't want my life dictated by that. You know, who was I under all this? You know, my, my life's trajectory was thwarted because of circumstances that were beyond my control. I, I'd had parents that I couldn't trust and I had parents that unfortunately let me down. But had I been in another family, would I be in the same situation? And I kind of went, well, what, what do I want? I mean, I, I didn't want, I, I had plans for my life and I wanted to be something else. So I wanted to give myself a chance to know what I could do and just not, I don't know, I just, I, I, I believe that we're, you know, we can teach ourselves things and, and I don't believe in accepting things as they are. And the one thing, and it's going to sound simplistic, and I often don't like saying it, but I used to say to myself when I was in that year of recovery, 2014, I wasn't born with anxiety. I wasn't born with panic attacks. I was never like this until, you know, I hit 30. So I need to get back to that. What what do I need to do to get back to that? And I and I often say, you know, there's a line, I'm a bit of a Seinfeld fan, and there's an episode uh, with George where he starts doing the opposite and his life just kind of, it's just, it's this wonderful life he has. It's like if he, does, if he did the opposite, then he'd have all these great outcomes. And so I kind of looked at it a bit like that. Well, I'm panicking. What do I need to do to be calm? And you kind of got to, because everything we do, believe it or not, we actually have a strategy. We actually have steps to what we do. But because we do it so often, it's unconscious. You know, it's like driving a car. We know when we're driving a car, we have all these steps. But after a while, you don't even know what you're doing. You're just driving the car. And I believe it's the same with our behaviours. I couldn't pinpoint what I was doing to panic, but I had to learn to break it down. Okay, well, if if that's what I do to panic, have this thought, have this fear, and allow the you know the the, the performance to go. What do I need to do in opposite 
to be calm because you know life is a, is a flip we've got day we've got night we've got up we've got down so if if I'm well behaved in knowing how to do a panic attack which I was very good at then I I must know there must be another way to be calm so I, I literally had to break everything down and so I became really good at being a detective in my own body like my chest is tight what's going on what am I thinking what's behind that what's the thought okay what well, what do I need to do to be okay and to soften this and to to be able to breathe and so it was just all this you know I knew what I wanted and I had to work out the steps to do it and then I had to do it over and over yeah we're good now we don't need to react to that it was like fixing a faulty switch yeah. I just had to figure it out and I don't know if you heard about this lady in Coney Island that drowned three of her children in the bathtub, but she called to tell me that. And I hung up on her. She's like really surprised that this lady did it. And she's like, oh, did you hear about this lady who drowned her kids in the bathtub? And I'm like, my, I got to go. I got to go. I got to go. Bye. And I'm like, I hung up. And I'm like, she goes back. What's the matter with you? And I'm like, do you not know that you did that to me? Because you did. And then you're calling me to tell me that. And she goes, oh, well, I just wanted to let you know what was going on in the world. And till this day, I don't know. It's like, is she really that oblivious? Or was that all planned to mess with me? Which mm-hmm. one is it? We don't know. <laughs> uh, it's so full on. It's like, oh, my God, I don't know how <laughs> anybody remains sane in this situation. Like, Seriously, I think, I mean, I look at you and you you seem like such a gorgeous human and I just, you know, obviously you've got things you're dealing with, but realistically, I just don't know how people even survive this stuff because it's so freaking hard. Yeah, it is. It is. But I mean, you kind of force like, it's like if I had to deal with that and I survived, I can do a lot. I'll be okay. Yeah. 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 And you've got a teen daughter now. How do you think all this has affected her? Because she's in the same house. She's having to she's deal with it to all. She's said to me before. She has, like, and I feel like she's, she sees things for what they are more than my husband does because she's the one that said, oh, you should stop talking to them. They don't treat you well. Why are you doing this? And me back then, I was like, okay, yeah, they know. I said, because they're my family and we do things for family. And you always grow up with, you take care of your elders and, you know, all that. But if there's abuse in it and there's a whole other side to it that, hey, nobody saw, you have that right in you to stop contact. So, but yeah, she's, she's seen that. She's had things to say about it. Yeah. She knows what's going on now. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, how sometimes our kids can come up and sort of state the obvious that we're just not able to see ourselves really. I mean, maybe you were seeing it on some level, but it's just actually doing it, actually making that break. I was going to ask you, what do you want for your daughter? Because I guess the relationship that you've had with your mum what what do you want for her and for you as a mom and a daughter in the future? I just want her to be happy with herself. 
you know, I want her to be happy with herself. I want her to know she's strong and she can achieve things. And I want her to know that she can come to me with anything, even though I, sometimes I have anxiety and, you know, about stuff. Like I'm, you know, that mom anxiety, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. I just want yeah. us to have a good relationship, like totally opposite from what I grew up with. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so you've now cut contact with your mom. Do you feel like the future is is bright for you now? Like, can you see that it's going to be good for you in the future? I think so. Yeah, because I don't have, I wasn't living when I was in contact with her as a reason. I didn't realize how much she affected me. I was sitting here in tears a lot because she was saying that me and my sister abandoned her. Meanwhile, she's the one we're sending her food over. She doesn't want to open the door and crying to everyone else saying, my kids abandoned me. And I think this is all part of her, you know, part of her being like that. Um, Man- manipulative. Mentality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah. Now. And, you know, my, my kids left me and she wants that attention. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it must just be like, a weight's lifted to some degree because you've just gone, just not going to yeah. do it anymore. And that there's so much power in that, you know, yeah. to, to finally get to that point to just say, actually, I don't have to do this anymore. When yeah. I saw how unequal it was, that's what did it. And it's like, now it's really clear. So yeah, we're done here. And I would say, if anybody ever compliments you or acknowledges you, you can only say two, maybe three things. And the two things you could say is thank you. Thank you. And if it's three, it could be thank you and their name. But that is it. Do not say anything else. And I go, and then affirm, yes, I am in your mind. So if somebody does something beautiful, right? It's just like, you're like, thank you. And then in your mind, think, yes, I am quietly to yourself. So now you're starting to rewire this pattern of, let's just like a little bit of receiving, right? If you want to step it up a little bit then start to really get connected to what is it that I want? What is it that I desire? Like really, if I didn't have these blocks or this weirdness, this funky feeling, what do I really want? And for some people, what I observe is they'll tell you what they don't want. That's what's fascinating. They'll be like, I'll ask, what do you want? And they're like, well, I don't want, you know, to be single. I don't want to be in debt or I don't want to, you know, be in this job anymore. I don't, it's like, okay, well then actually what do you want? But we're so wired for the negative and don't want that people immediately go there. And that's why you keep getting more of what you don't want because your focus and attention is there. But if we shifted it and said, what do you want? And get really clear without boundaries and then having the gumption to go ask for it. And then having even more gumption to be willing to receive it. And so now again, we're rewiring in new patterns and behavior, right? So those are like a few things that I did to really start to open myself to receiving. And also the mind is a very beautiful machine that works in our favor if we know how to work it. And if we, whatever we see in our mind, it doesn't know whether it's happened in real life or just in our imagination. Right. So what I used to also do too, was to visualize seeing myself receiving and being excited and joyful about it, because that's actually the gift you're giving to the giver, right. Is to be a good, a joyful receiver. Cause then they're like, they're so excited to give to you. And you're so excited to receive. I was like, wow, that's the gift you can give to somebody who's giving to you. 
is just to be a joyful receiver. So I really committed to like, I'm going to be a joyful receiver. So I would visualize myself receiving from different people or things, find stuff in the mail and I get excited. Like I would just visualize all this because the more I kept seeing it in my mind and feeling comfortable and excited about it, now I'm training myself to go, "Mm, see, this is familiar now. Remember, it's safe because it's familiar. What's not familiar is what's unsafe, right? That's what it's it's recorded in the mind as. And so now I'm building this familiarity of receiving and then it's fun and then it's joyful. And then when someone did give to me, it didn't feel so awkward and weird anymore. Mm-hmm. So those are a lot of different practices, but those were many of the ones that I used and more on how to really crack myself even further open to receive and to feel comfortable with it and to truly actually become a joyful receiver, which is like the best thing ever. <laughs> She sent me a picture of her driving. She drove 30 miles and now she's driving. She was a prisoner because she could not leave her home because she's lived way out in the country somewhere. She sent me a picture of her driving. She's driving now. And she told me, she said, you're not going to believe what I did. I said, what did you do? She said, I looked in the mirror and I said, I love you. This was the same woman who said, nothing's going to change. Nothing's going to happen. And all I said was, well, you may be like this for the rest of your life until you leave this earth. And then that just opened her up. Oh, it's so beautiful, isn't it? To be able to look at yourself in the mirror and and believe that about yourself when, when you've been to that rock bottom. What what do you believe about yourself now having been on this journey? Yeah, again, that I, I am perfectly imperfect. I believe that I am love. I am love. I went out on a journey to find that which I sought because we don't attract what we want. We attract what we are. So I became love. I became joy. I became all those things, those higher states of being that I wanted so much in my life. And now I see love everywhere. I'm still single, but that's okay because I'm no, I'm not lonely. Mm-hmm. It's okay for me. I've learned not to be by myself, but with myself. That is major because I have become those things. I'm my best date, right? And so that's what I have learned along the way. And by the way, as a heart healer, I have never healed a heart. I simply guide you to your own healing Mm. of your own heart because it's all within you. That's what I've learned. I think my biggest learning is I had to forgive myself and everything I ever needed, I already had. I'm very close to my dad. My dad is my best friend. I could tell him everything. And I also am like that with my boyfriend. I've known him since seventh grade. He chased after me for all the years, and I was like, no, that's weird. And then I finally <laughs> gave in. That whole little silly little high school love story. So over time, he has grown to understand and know and at points in his life he has watched my mom in action of how she can act he experienced it with his dad at one point which he's great he's completely flipped around doing great for himself so he really gets it so he is my person he is 100 when the world is crashing down on me he's lifting it up and carrying me through it so he's like the therapist for me kind of my safe space consistency for sure but outside of him I just find things that I enjoy doing I like working out going to the gym I love doing that driving is like therapy to me sometimes I just get my car and I drive and it it works for me you know I think everybody has their ways to cope and their ways to heal and that's just mine 
Yeah, it sounds beautiful just getting out and driving. I haven't heard anybody say that so far. It's kind of like just clearing your brain, isn't it? Something else yeah. to focus on. And so for anybody struggling with or after parental addiction, what words of advice would you offer to anybody listening? It is not your fault. You will wake up and you will think, what could I have done? Why didn't I say anything? And it wasn't your responsibility. It's not your responsibility now. They are not going to change until they want to change. Their children cannot make them change. Their spouses cannot make them change. Their own parents can't. They have to want it themselves. And the best thing that you can do is find your people who understand you and who care for you and love from a distance. Don't enable. Don't let them guilt you. Just love them if you if you believe in anything. Pray for them and just watch from a distance. Mm, I love that advice. It's like you've still got love, but you're not going to let them come in and kind of mess it all up for you, right? That's it's beautiful don't, advice. Don't be afraid to burn a bridge. Yeah, we shared at the beginning that you you have learnt from listening to other stories on this podcast. What would you say was something that sticks in your mind as a learning that you've gained so far? There was somebody on here and they were just kind of like, find who you are. Don't let it define who you are. And I really do think about that a lot. Yeah, it's such an important one, isn't it? I think growing up with toxic parents of all types, we do feel like it's part of us and it really is so important to understand we can actually put that aside and step out as our own beautiful, incredible selves because that doesn't define us. Oh, my grandmother, her name was Tutuna and she was a very, very petite woman, four foot five, and she had a big personality. And, you know, one time, actually not very long ago, just a few years back, my mother was making a tea and she always makes tea at like for as long as I can remember. And especially when we're sick, that's her thing. And I never really appreciated the, the fact that she made teas, how they functioned and how they actually worked to make us well. But the fact that there were certain aromas that I wasn't really picking up in the teas. And this one time I actually did. And I remember that the reason why I picked up the aroma was because it the tea smelled like lemongrass, which was my favorite scent to actually use in aromatherapy. And my mother told me, you know, a story about my grandmother, how she used to use that same lemongrass tea to actually help heal a lot of ailments and sicknesses that her children would have. And my mother learned from her own mother how to help heal with tea. And so my mother was passing on that knowledge onto me. And I thought, you know, my mother always tells me every time that you're going to go out and serve, meaning when you're going to go out and help people, if you're going to go do a workshop, if you're going to do a talk, if you're going to, you know, even in the times when I was doing therapy, she would always tell me, like, just remember that you have to, you know, like, ask for the wisdom and prudence and guidance to be able to hold space for whoever it is that has decided that you are the person to help them. And I, I feel like it's like such a different way to approach therapy where it's, to me, it's like an honor to serve 
another person in that way rather than I'm just your therapist and I'm giving you therapy. Like, no, you like your whole life is literally mm. being deposited, you know, into my hands for me to help you sort it out. Like that's that's major, you know, it's a, it's a really big deal as I see it. And I and I don't take that lightly and I feel very honored to do that. So what what I decided that I was going to do with with tea in a m more public way was the the little therapy nuggets that I would be like providing folks. I thought, you know, during the pandemic everyone was feeling like isolated and lonely. I thought, let me just break the fourth wall. Let me just like kind of like almost like if I were to reach out through the Instagram screen and say, "Hey, come, let's have tea." And so that's what I did because that's what we do at my home. We have tea. Thank you for being on this journey of healing and community with me. If you listen on Apple, I would love it if you could take a moment to post a review for the podcast. It would mean a lot. Check the show notes for all links recommended in this episode. If you're on Instagram, follow me at my big love project and please share this episode with someone you know needs to hear it. Thank you for joining me. You are such an incredible soul because you are you. You are unique. Your journey is unique and you can absolutely change the world with your story. Your time is precious and I so appreciate you being here. Thanks for joining me. I'll catch you next week. Thank you.